0: Hello, and welcome to the Riveting Reads podcast, where each season brings you a serialised version of thrilling news stories, along with exclusive bonus content from the author. This is Season 1, Insomnia, Book 1 of the Nightwalker series, by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. New episodes are posting weekly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Stick around after today's chapter for some author insights into the writing process behind this chapter with Insomnia's author, J.R. Johansson.
1: Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson. At this point, I would normally give you some kind of a recap of the last episode, but since this is our first one, yay, there is no recap to give you. So I'm just going to let you dive straight in. Here is the first chapter of Season 1, Insomnia.
2: The Nightwalkers Written by J.R. Johansson Narrated by Roy Samuelson One, it had been over four years since I had really slept, and I suspected it was killing me. Tonight, finding someone other than Mr. Flint to make eye contact with before going to bed seemed like more work than it was worth. Besides, he was just an old man, the janitor of the Oakville Library. i had seen the dreams of men like him before. The most exciting part was usually the new lawnmower they were using. The instant his dream began, though, I knew I had been dead wrong. My surroundings were heavy with a strange energy, lending an ominous feel to the air that made me instantly claustrophobic. This man was nothing like the others. A woman sprawled across a bed with one thin arm thrown over her eyes. Her jeans tattered at the bottom from dragging on the ground. Her white tank top was tugged up on one side, leaving her stomach bare exposed. I thought she was pretty hot until I noticed the wrinkles around her mouth, the ring on her finger, and the clusters of gray hairs along her hairline. I groaned under my breath. Sexy mom dreams are really not my thing. I looked around at the room, becoming wary of the amount of detail. The walls were light green. There were tiny pink and blue flowers on the sheets. I heard the thunder before the smell of damp wood and perfume filled my nostrils. Rain fell through the open window, pooling on the cedar chest below. The heavy green drapes rustled as they framed the darkness outside. Each sense came like a wave, crashing over me. It was too clear. Even as I could feel my body tensing, I told myself to relax. Nothing bad had happened, yet. But this much detail meant it was a memory, and combined with the weight in the air, was rarely a good sign. I knew I'd see Mr. Flint soon dreamer always showed up last, like the brain had to build the scene before thrusting the dreamer into it. One of many things I had learned along the way about the dream world, it had taken me a long time to figure out even a basic knowledge of the way dreams worked. I didn't think I'd ever understand it all. I tried for months before I realized that no dreamers could see me. Even when I stood right in front of them and screamed at the top of my lungs, they never knew I was there. Kind of ironic that I knew so much about this world of dreams, considering I never slept. Well, my body did, but my brain, not so much. My dreams were no longer mine. They had been taken and replaced with this. I was just someone who watched, a passive observer in the minds of others, seeing what they saw, feeling what they felt. I knew their dreams like I knew my own skin. This was my domain, but I had no control. I was a king, with no power. At least my kingdom was generally an interesting place. I always found it interesting the way dreams were built in layers. It was like the brain got bored constructing only one dream at a time, so there was always more going on under the surface. I landed mostly in the layer closest to reality for some reason. At least it seemed that way. I didn't know for sure, but... It was the only explanation I could come up with for why I often saw fantasies and memories instead of the alternative. I still saw the bizarre stuff, but it was less frequent. Judging from the lack of leprechauns or talking furniture around me now, this dream was just another demonstration of that fact. I didn't get the subtext, the metaphors. I got the real thing. The thunder rumbled again, and I sighed, waiting for him to appear. I just wanted to get it over with. I didn't like watching memories. Somehow it felt even more intrusive than watching fantasies. Everything in a memory was crystal clear, with very little of the haziness that literally hovered over other dreams I saw. After years of watching, I could easily recognize the level of focus of detail that formed a memory dream. This wasn't a creation of Mr. Flint's mind. This was his life. His brain's twisted analysis of his past thickened the air around me like a million observations given at once. And then, I saw him, in the doorway, watching her. I braced myself, but still, when his emotions hit, they crushed me, knocked the wind out of me. The janitor's desperate, churning passions swept me in wave upon wave of sadness, anger, and betrayal. Each one hit stronger than the last until his pain eclipsed them all unbearable yet unchanging pain was life now no hope remained the pain smothered it along with everything else that reeked of happier times i crouched clutching my side and panting how had i been so stupid to make eye contact with a complete stranger i knew better The room charged with an inexplicable energy as the physical pain faded in the shade of darker emotions. Hatred, combined with blood-pumping adrenaline, turned into the purest kind of rage I had ever experienced. I clawed at the ground as Mr. Flint's fury ripped through me. His need to destroy, to make someone hurt the way he did, overwhelmed me. As he approached the bed, something glinted in his hand. I narrowed my eyes for a closer look. He clutched a shining silver letter opener with a navy handle. Combined with a grim intent on his face, I had never seen a more lethal-looking weapon. I fought his emotions and struggled to move, to hide from what I knew would come, but it was no use. I couldn't leave. I could close my eyes, but the emotions of the dreamer were the worst part, and I couldn't hide from them. If I didn't see what was happening, my mind filled in the gaps. Too often, the disturbing images I came up with were so much worse than the nightmare I was stuck in. He held a pillow over her head as he stabbed the letter opener through her tank top three times. Her gurgling screams pierced the air. Mixed with his grunts, her death created a horrific melody until all sound muffled to a whisper. The sudden stillness swallowed me. As I tried to control my breathing, her blood spilled from the triangle of wounds through her shirt and onto the floral sheets. My head hurt, and my heart pounded in my chest. His rage ended as abruptly as it came, leaving only despair behind. I could feel how much he hated her, hated himself. His absolute certainty that life was no longer worth living landed square on my shoulders and I shook under the weight of it. Mr. Flint held her hands in his and sobbed. He pulled the gold wedding band off her finger and held it to his lips. Agonized moans gushed out of his body, burying both of us in misery, barely allowing room for air. I was horrified at myself for pitying him, even though it was impossible not to when I felt his emotions. The dream might have been a memory, but Mr. Flint was actually asleep as it played out, hovering in that place where the boundaries between right and wrong were blurred. I wasn't. Feeling sorry for a murderer disgusted me, but it didn't matter. His self-pity swamped me, overpowering my own revulsion. My gaze darted between him and the woman, his wife. This wasn't the same man who had first entered the dream. There was a change in him, so strong I could feel it. He was a murderer now. He would never be the same person again. There was no coming back from this. He was a reflection of my ability, my curse. After what I had witnessed in other people's dreams, I'd never be the same again either. I woke up coughing, my body covered in sweat. Curling in on myself, I wrapped one arm around my knees and tried to catch my breath. Why did I have to pick him? Why a murderer? I really didn't need this right now. Not on top of everything else. Being a watcher sucked. Especially when literally everyone else was a dreamer. I didn't know if there were any more like me out there, but I knew that whatever lucky dreamer was the last to catch my eye, I couldn't break free of them. No matter how much I wanted to escape, I was stuck with that person for the night. A loud thump rattled my door, and I rolled out of bed. It's the weekend, Mom! My voice came out croaky and exhausted. I stumbled toward the bathroom taking deep breaths and forcing myself not to think about Mr. Flint's dream. In and out. In and out. It's almost noon, your majesty, she yelled back from the kitchen. I stopped in the middle of the hallway and rubbed my eye. It's almost eleven, stop exaggerating or I'll have to hire new help. Yeah, yeah, mom muttered. I fought the urge to tell her to tell anyone about what I had seen. As much as I would have liked to go to the police and tell them I'd witnessed Mr. Flint murder his wife in a dream, I knew no one would believe me. And the psych ward wasn't my idea of a prime weekend hangout. I grabbed the three most recent newspapers off the table in the hall and took them into the bathroom. The cold of the tile shot tingles through my feet as I flipped the pages. In the second one, I found it. Donna Marie Flint, born May 9, 1971, died last week during what appears to have been a failed burglary attempt. Friends and family may pay their respects at the Oakville Mortuary on Tuesday. Tomorrow. Mrs. Flint hadn't been dead very long, but it was still too late to save her. There was nothing I could do, nothing I could have done. The police were on the wrong track with the burglary, but they would eventually figure out what happened without my help. I had to believe that. For one morbid moment, I wondered, if I was right about what was going to happen and this curse was slowly killing me, what would my obituary say? Parker Daniel Chip, a 16-year-old junior at Oakville High School, died of sleep deprivation. Or would it be listed as something lame like natural causes? Either way, it sounded pathetic. I shuffled to the shower turning the dials so the water was so icy it stabbed my skin like a thousand shards of glass. Most days, it was the only way I could keep myself awake. The water raced down my skin in rivulets, carrying away images from the dream. Warm showers were a thing of the past now. After scrubbing my body raw, I turned off the water. Wrapping a towel around my waist, I tried to focus my mind on some of the happier dreams I had seen. Other people's dreams took up so much of my life and my brain that it wasn't hard to reach into the pile and find a different one. They were each unique and each equally exhausting. The dream layers were often the hardest part. They could leave my head pounding for hours after I woke up. It was like the dreamer's subconscious brain had stretched its imaginative muscle and wanted to pack in as much as possible just to torture me. Sometimes, the other background layers were a haze, hovering over the main layer of the dream like a sheer curtain. Rarely, dreams were made of what felt like physical layers, some more reality-based, some more bizarre than an LSD addict's favorite hallucination. The physical layers were stacked above one another, and the dreamer bounced between them like a ping-pong ball. It felt like their brain couldn't decide what dream to have. Then... There was the mist of thought that twirled through the vivid memory dreams. If he stood in the curling tendrils of silver vapor, you could actually hear the dreamer's brain thinking, reliving, deciding. The words and thoughts were so jumbled and convoluted, within a few seconds they'd make your mind spin. I had carefully sidestepped the mist after my first experience with it. The worst was when the other layers created a thick, fog-like background noise... It would sound like a million bees buzzing inside my head. I always had a terrible headache the day after watching one of those. The kind of headache no pain medicine could touch. I took a deep breath and tried to focus on the task at hand. As I dried my face, I could actually feel the deep circles beneath my eyes, like they had been there so long they had hollowed me out. I shivered, pushed my messy black hair off my forehead, and tried to see if I looked any worse than the day before. My ice blue eyes stared back. Yes, I looked like crap. Could I do anything about it? Nope. I tugged on jeans and a sweatshirt and headed for the kitchen. It smelled like citrus and berries. Fresh fruit, Mom's favorite breakfast. She glanced up with a grin when I passed but it slid from her face when her eyes met mine. I knew what she was thinking. Her constant worrying was the reason I only watched her dreams when I had no other choice. Did you sleep well? Sure, I nodded and looked away from her concern. Mom stepped in front of me and placed the back of one hand on my forehead. With a sigh, she brought it down and twisted her lips to one side. Well, you feel fine. I grabbed her shoulders, smiled, and stared her straight in the eye. This early in the day, it didn't matter who I made eye contact with. I was safe. For now. That's because I am fine. She stuck her fist under her chin and moved it back and forth as she watched me hunt through the kitchen for a snack. I knew that move. I'd seen her look at Dad that way so many times before he left that it was impossible to forget. The first year he was gone... Mom had been so upset she'd thrown herself into her work. I was always fed and taken care of, but she had never noticed how tired I was. That was over three years ago. I still missed those days. When she wasn't around, I didn't have to pretend to be normal. I sliced an apple with the biggest knife I could find and fought the mixture of frustration and resentment that rose up every time I thought about Dad. I had enough problems without being forced to put up with the baggage he had left behind. I glanced up, ready to handle her the way I always did, with distraction. So, any appointments today? Mom grabbed her cell phone off the countertop and scrolled through the calendar. I have a couple of showings this afternoon and a few more tonight. I might be a little late. Will you be all right alone? Yeah, I'm probably gonna do something with Finn. That's all? No one else is coming, just Finn? She squinted at my face. Once again, she didn't believe me. I popped an apple slice in my mouth and walked over to the window. This conversation needed to be over now. Yep, just Finn. I crunched. She nodded and turned back to her phone again. I shuffled to my bedroom and pulled on some sneakers. If I didn't know any better, I'd think they were made of lead. Gravity was my enemy these days. Each morning, my arms and legs, even my eyelids, felt heavier. I was amazed when the scale showed the same weight, or lately a lower one than the week before. Each time I stepped on it, I was certain my head alone must be a few pounds heavier. It was so much harder to hold it up every day. When I had turned 16 the previous month, I had exhausted my final idea. I'd stopped by the gas station on the way home every night for two weeks, making eye contact with the guy on the night shift in the hope that I could sleep if my dreamer was awake all night. But when I slept, it wasn't real sleep. Watching dreams was like staying up all night watching totally immersive movies, and sleeping when my dreamer was awake was like staying up watching static on a muted television set. It was peaceful, to some extent, but my brain still wasn't sleeping. It was just... My own personal void. Nights like those helped me focus a little better during the day, but not by much. So when Mom started freaking about me being out too late all the time, I gave it up. The nothingness got boring night after night anyway, like sitting in my own padded room. The irony of it made me smile. That was pretty much what I was trying so hard to avoid i had tried everything I could come up with. I even tried not making eye contact with anyone all day. Not as easy as it sounds. But even then, I just saw the dreams of the last person from the day before. Shoving my backpack toward the wall with my foot, I noticed that the main pocket was halfway open and the corner of a book was poking out. I picked up the bag and zipped it shut, then took a quick look around my bedroom. It looked... different. A couple things had been moved... But it wasn't anything obvious. I sighed. She had been in here again. It must have been while I was in the shower. Determination isn't something my family runs short on. I drew in a deep breath and walked back to the kitchen. Find any drugs this time? Mom didn't look up from her cell phone, but I saw her shut her eyes tightly before speaking. Her voice tried so hard to be calm that it wavered. No. Won't keep you from looking next time, though, will it? I sat down at the table and glared at her back. I had enough problems right now. Why did she feel the need to add to them? Turning, she leaned against the counter and folded her arms over her chest. What do you want me to think? You don't talk to me? You're losing weight? You you just don't look good, honey. Way to boost a guy's self-esteem, Mom. I rubbed my hand against my eye and looked out the window across from me. Do you have a better explanation? She waited a moment before continuing. Because, believe me, I don't want to find drugs, but I don't know what else to think. I've told you. I shook my head and looked back at her. I don't sleep well. She lowered her chin and raised her eyebrows. Parker, you sleep all the time. A hot wave of anger flowed over me. Why did she keep bringing this up? She never believed what I said anyway. I stood up from the table and turned back toward the hall. Well then, guess it must be drugs. Wait, please. She grabbed my elbow before I could get out of the kitchen, but didn't speak until I turned to face her. So, if it's sleep, we're going to a doctor. Today. Dr. Brown has an after-hours clinic on weekends. We'll go see him right now. Today? I frowned. But you have appointments. I'll reschedule. It'll be fine. This is more important. A chill ran through me. I'd been avoiding this, afraid a doctor would confirm my suspicions. Or worse, call me crazy and stick me in an asylum. But I had to be honest. I'd gotten as much information as I was going to get from my online searches, and I didn't like the answers they were giving me. It was time. I'd just have to be smart about it. I wouldn't tell him the whole truth, but I'd figure out a way to get him to give me the answers I needed. Okay, Mom. If you think it will help, I'm in.
0: Thanks for listening to the Riveting Reads Podcast, Season 1, Insomnia. New podcast episodes will be available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're not the patient type and want the full book now, you can find the audiobook on Audible Podcasts or the paperback version on Amazon. Stick around for some author insights from JR Johansson about the chapter featured in this episode.
1: Hi, and welcome to the authorly insights section for chapter one. I'm JR Johansson. I hope that you liked the first chapter. The first chapter was written and rewritten more times than I can count. I'm a creative type, I'm not good with numbers. It may not be as many times as that makes it sound. (laughs) But in the first version, the janitor had a really silly and funny dream about him turning into a superhero and seducing the local librarian. (laughs) Obviously, this didn't exactly fit the tone I was going for in the rest of the book. I rewrote it, trying to capture the eerie and darker tone from the full story so it would be consistent in the first chapter, so that people knew what to expect from the book going in. I also felt that it was important to introduce right up front that Parker saw people's deepest, darkest secrets. That would change him. He knows things that people would never willingly tell him. And that despite having this powerful information, he still feels cornered and powerless to use it in any way to help himself or anyone else. It's a really difficult position that he is in right from the get-go. I hope you enjoyed Chapter 1, and I will see you next episode. Thanks.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Riveting Reads please check out details for our reader appreciation program in the podcast notes or on rivetingreadspodcast.com. Also, a reminder that we're still a new podcast and we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe as well as rating and reviewing in your podcast app. Thanks, and we'll see you in a few days for the next episode.